This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Elijah recounts what he's done for God. What I love is that when God comes to Elijah and says, what are you doing here? Has anybody read this passage before? Did you notice he says the exact same thing to God in verse 10 and verse 14? That always baffles me. The Holy of Holies comes to you personally, special delivery, and you offer the same response. Jesus, or Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They threw down your altars. They killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left. They're seeking my life to take it away. And then you get this really cool scene, right? You get the earthquake. You get the wind. And don't you sort of want God to come to you in fancy ways? And yet it's in the stillness. It's in the silence. That's why I selected the portion from Archbishop Tutu. When do you actually just take time? No TV, no radio, no even music. I love good gospel, African-American gospel music, right? But sometimes just silence and you listen. And in the silence is when God came to Elijah. And then when God said, what are you doing here? Elijah said the same thing. I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They threw down your altars. They killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They're seeking my life to take it away. Same answer, word for word. Fascinating. Years ago, when I was feeling not unlike that, when I was working on an issue with the Kenyan election nine years ago, and it really felt like no one cared, including those who nationally said they cared about Africa. One of my mentors, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Ray Youngblood, who pastors in Brooklyn, fussed at me. And he's like, Lord, you sound like Elijah. And then he reminded me about the passage in 1 Kings 18, the chapter before, when Obadiah took a hundred prophets and put them 50 each in, a, in two different caves with water and food. He's like, you're never alone. And at the end of this passage, there were 7,000. The prophets, even when we think we're alone, we are not. When I was a hospice chaplain, we had a situation that was complicated. And as is often the case, if you bring family members from out of town, and introduces different dynamics. Everybody knew that they knew what was best for dad. And finally, the hospice nurse that I was working with very gently but firmly said, we are born alone. We die alone. And he spoke about even though we're surrounded, we come in the world alone. Nobody else comes in with us, right? Folks might celebrate, but you come in all by yourself, well, unless you're a twin. And then you die alone. But we're not alone. In Matthew 14, 
It's a different kind of alone. Because even as Elijah said he was alone with Jesus, he was alone, but it was because he was waiting for God alone. He spent a third of his ministry alone. And he's praying, he's dismissing the crowds, but the disciples are in a storm, they're terrified. When is the last time that you were really terrified? Not like a creeping concern, but the time where the terror is so great you can't think straight. For some of us, it's that millisecond when we hit the ice and we think, dang, I should have gone slower. Or, wait, where'd that ice come from? Even if you're going 25 miles an hour. So that millisecond of terrified. For some of us who let our kids go to college or kindergarten, there's a wee bit of terror there. For some of us, it's waiting for the diagnosis and then hearing what we don't want to hear. And we're terrified and then we breathe. In this case, they were so terrified they couldn't see straight. When you're wounded and scared, everything is a threat. And some of us have seen that in relationships. When no matter how gently and tenderly we reach out to somebody else, they snap. And no matter how loving we seek to be, they react. And the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they cried out in fear. Terrified. So when some of our Black Lives Matters friends say silence is violence, that can bring terror. Because what does that mean? I give you a little insight into Dr. King's life. Um... He was terrified. The Montgomery boy, bus boycott had been going on for some time. And people thought it was going to be a couple weeks, maybe a month or two. And it kept lasting. January 27, 1956, he received a phone call after he'd come back from an organizing meeting. And the voice on the other line said, leave Montgomery if you don't want to die. And this is, what our, this is what Dr. King wrote in a book called Stride Toward Freedom. I was ready to give up. With my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take this problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table. I prayed aloud. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right. I am afraid the people are looking to me for leadership. If I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my power. I have nothing left. I have come to the point where I cannot face it alone. At that moment, he writes, I experienced a presence of the divine as I had never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. God will be at your side forever. At once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. That's the end of the quote. Three days later, a bomb blasted his house. His family escaped by a hair's breadth. Strangely enough, he later said, I accepted the word of the bombing calmly. 
My religious experiences a few nights before had given me the strength to face it. Eleven years later, when he was talking to a crowd of folks about this time, he said, it seemed at that moment I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth and law. I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. In a little bit, when we sing, Great is thy faithfulness, do we believe it? How do we receive God? Elijah met God, God's self, and his response was unchanged. I alone am here. When the disciples have Jesus, Jesus' self come to them, they respond in fear. They were so focused on the fear of that night. Remember, he left them at night. It was early morning, so it was hours in the middle of the night they were alone. And even when Jesus wants to respond in faith, the fear wins out and he calls, Lord, save me. And Jesus says, why'd you doubt? So often we think we are waiting for God, comma, alone. But what if it's just a little bit different than that? Keep thinking. Archbishop Tutu, again in the book, God Has a Dream, he writes about the word theophany, the revelation of the divine. And he says, do you recall the lovely story of Elijah at the mouth of the cave and the mountain when the Lord passes by, the Lord's not in the wind, the earthquake, the fire, and the still, small voice? God is to be encountered in that, according to that story and in line with the principle of transfiguration, not just in the spectacular conventional places and occasions in the humdrum, but, but remarkably in the humdrum, the ordinary, the unexpected, the unlikely places and people, in a baby in a manger, on a cross, if we just have eyes to see. Has anybody heard of the book Eats, Shoots, and Leaves? It's a very funny book. It's grammar. It's a book on grammar. It's one, it's, I mean, it's sold millions of copies because it's funny. So if you hear the word eats, shoots, and leaves, if I were to channel my inner seventh grade, eighth grade writing teacher, and if I were to write those words on the board, you could do a lot of things with it. It could be a photographer coming into a restaurant, eating, shooting some pictures, and leaving. Or, as the writer suggests, it could also be a bamboo, I mean a panda coming in eating bamboo shoots and leaves, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us are not unlike Elijah, where we are waiting for God, comma, alone. What if we were to take that comma out of the sermon title and realize we are waiting for God alone? Only God. Only God. God alone can bring what we need. Not a new marriage, not a new school, not a new job, not a new pick something, car. Parenthetically, I've got a lot of friends who keep talking about buying cars. It's like their midlife crisis. I'm like, really? <laughs> We're waiting for God alone. Waiting for God alone. Archbishop Tutu, and I close with this quote from 
actually he talks about the prophet Elisha. Elisha came after Elijah. Elijah put his mantle on Elisha. And this is what Archbishop Tutor writes about Elisha. At times of despair, we need to see with new eyes like the prophet Elisha. The Bible tells us that Elisha and his servants were surrounded by a host of enemies. Again, the prophet remained strangely calm and unconcerned. The servant grew more and more agitated. The prophet asked God to open the servant's eyes, and the servant saw that those who were on their side were many more times than those who were against them. It's not, this is not just an old story, wrote Tutu. This is a way to see that you are not alone in your struggle for justice. There are many of you, he writes, who are working to feed the orphan and the widow. There are many of you who are working to beat swords into plowshares. There is hope that nightmares will end. Hope will seemingly in, that seemingly intractable problem, problems will find solutions. God has some tremendous fellow workers and outstanding partners. Beloved, this week, as we go into the week waiting for God alone, only God, May you see each other. May we see those we meet as partners. May we welcome those who keep choosing fear over faith to welcome the God who created us all in God's image. Together. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you that you are enough. Thank you, God, that you have not called us to leave us. Thank you, God, that you welcome us in the continued creation of what you yearn for, for in your people. Give us the eyes to see that we are not alone and that, indeed, your truth, your justice, your love will win at the end of the day. Help us to be partners, God, in what you are doing alone. Amen. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.